Welcome back to another episode of the Lawyers in the Making podcast. I'm your host, as always, Nate Crestwell, and today we have another outstanding guest. He's a 3L at George Mason University Law School and currently works as a senior law clerk at ST Engineering North America. He's held past positions as a corporate legal intern at Yulco. Yes. All right, there we go. Thank you. Yulco, Inc., and as the owner and founder of Third Power Fitness, Mr. Jeff Simmons. Welcome to the podcast. How are we doing today? Hi, I'm doing great, Nate. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. Um, yeah, just a little bit about me. Uh, that, that was a great background, a great introduction. Um, yeah, uh, I am a 3 at George Mason Law School currently. Um, about to graduate in May. <laughs> uh and then i take the bar exam uh so that's a whole nother chapter uh but yeah um law now and my background is in the fitness space yeah so you are one of those one of those prime examples of what this podcast represents what it exemplifies that there is no straight path to the law that everyone has a very very unique journey and you yourself certainly have an extremely unique journey just from uh, looking at the little facts that I have for myself when I prepare for these episodes, um, you, you know, you you never the first time you got into any sort of legal position was your second year into law school, so you never really had a background in it. And now going back to 2013, I always say how old am I, but I can't do the math. I was 10 years old. 10 years old. Oh, wow. I, I I don't mean to make you feel old or anything. Very fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but back in 2013 you were at old dominion university you had a bachelor's mm -hmm. of science and exercise science so nothing to do with the law um it took you you know uh, uh, how many years is that nine is that nine years? Nah, eight years eight years, eight years. Mm -hmm. until you got to law school so can you tell the audience a little bit about what you were doing before law school well let's fast forward we go forward and then we can go backwards so let's start going to 2019 to 2021, you were a fitness expert and co-lead of sports performance programming. I don't have the company there, but you were there. So what went into the decision? Why'd you do it? Why'd you go to law school? Uh, so before that, I left out the most important uh, part about my background. I'm also a husband and father of a 18-month-year-old girl named Sophia. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so... Going back to 2019, yeah, so um, I was basically a fitness expert uh, at Fitness Together Central Georgetown in D.C. Um, law school, so I decided to go to law school in 2019. Um, I was on my own for about two years or so um, with Third Power Fitness, the uh, training company that I started. Um and then for those for those of you who have had your own business, Nate, you have yours now, it is not <laughs> as easy uh, as people might think. The entrepreneur social media world will have you believe that it is uh, it's all fun and glitz and glamour. It's not. <laughs> uh, so around 2019, uh, I was having trouble trying to keep leads and uh, clients. Um, so I was like, you know what, I need to go back to working again for somebody else because I have to pay bills. Um, and I just got engaged to my now wife. Um, so going to law school was part of a financial choice as well. I needed to get into a career that was a bit more stable, um, long-term, uh, and in terms of school, I felt like I had more left on the table um, in terms of school that I hadn't reached my full potential. Um, I was actually in a master's program uh, back in 2016 in sports psychology, and I did not complete it. Um, so, yeah, I had a lot left on the table in terms of school, um, and I love to read and write. Uh, which is all what the law is um, for those of you who are lawyers out there and in law school. And lastly, 
my biological father um, was incarcerated for most of my life. Um, so it was a little bit of a redemptive story of sorts. Um, you know, the same system that put him away, I wanted to uh, be a part of that system to help those that need help. I mean, yeah, that, that's a really important point. I, I think in, in any decision, people have inspiration of any sort. And usually, you know, any rationale is a good rationale when you're making a decision such as law school. And obviously, to to your point, you talked about the financials of it all. And, and that's also really important. And we all know that the legal industry is quite lucrative and you can make a lot of money from it. But I think at, at, at the same point, you still have the passion to try to fix the system and be a part of it and and you know, one, one person at a time, you know, improve it. And eventually, you know, you fix the parts, you fix the whole. So let's move to the first year of law school, 2021. People say, you know, it's dramatic. People say it gets crazy. Some people absolutely love it. I've had some people on this podcast who have been like, it was the best year of my life. Really? How, how is it? I can already tell you didn't like it. How is it for you? <laughs> Uh, yeah, the first year of law school, which is in 2021, uh, it was around the, I would say, I guess the end of the COVID pandemic, kind of, uh, we still had to wear masks mm -hmm. on campus. Um, yeah, I still remember my very first day, first class was torts. Um, I was the first person called on oh. on that day, uh, in class, uh, me and Professor Davies are still, you know, great. Um, no, the first year was rough. Uh, <laughs> it's rough. It's a whole new environment. Um, I was also, as we had talked about, I was in a whole new field, something completely outside of my comfort zone. Um, and there was a bit of what I felt like imposter syndrome, uh, for me, a part of it was just due to me being in a, you know, a whole new environment. Uh, and then also, uh, George Mason is not the most uh, racially diverse um, school. Uh, in the whole law school, my first year, there were 610 uh, students and 10 of us were Black, uh, which is less than 2%. Um, so it was little jarring uh not to really see people that look like me um on campus so it was kind of like do i really really belong here um you know it's a whole new environment on top of that uh yeah it was just challenging um the amount of reading i think is probably what gets people the most at first um it's a lot of reading <laughs> <laughs> and then also not really having like strategies on how to approach the readings, how to take exams. Law school is very different uh, from my different types of schools in general, uh, especially professional schools, because almost all of your classes uh, are based on one exam. So you get one shot, uh, you know, most schools, most programs, all college, as you know, you take, you know, quizzes and tests, exams, all stuff. Well, school, you got one shot. And if you don't do well, that's your grade. <laughs> um, so yeah, overall, definitely a challenge. Yes. So I have to ask from that, you talked about getting out of your comfort zone. Uh, you know, what, what, were, what, are, what were the sorts of things that you did outside of law school that kind of helped you, you know, get a little bit more comfortable and I guess I'd ask the second question there. How was sort of that experience getting out of your comfort zone? And how did, it, you know, did it improve you in any way? Did you feel like you grew as a person in any sort of way? Yeah. Uh, I won't just uh, keep that to like first year. I would just say law school in general um, has helped me grow as a, as a person. It kind of like forces you uh, to. So, um yeah, outside of law school, uh, trying to lift weights, still trying to keep that going. Um, it might come as a surprise to you and uh, those out there listening, 
given my background, uh, I fell off the wagon uh, completely um, in terms of, you know, fitness and that stuff. I tried to prepare for it beforehand um, going into like that summer going into the one year. Um, I, I basically had a whole like home gym. I bought a, a squat rack, cheap, a barbell like plates I put it all in the backyard um and so yeah so fitness was uh something being married um was also unique as well uh amongst my classmates uh most law school students you know in their 20s uh the majority of them at least at my school came from you know college straight to law school um so having a wife outside of that uh is a great support to have as well um and yeah like those are probably like the main two things i guess outside of law school that uh helped me adjust was trying to keep in shape and then you know my wife um yeah so i from from that i i, I have to ask since you were a, a bit older than the you know the typical law student and everyone else there how was sort of that experience uh throughout your whole you know the whole time you've been at law school how has that sort of shaped the sort of experience that you've had at the school in terms of you know meeting people talking to people you know maybe getting friends you know study people uh, people to study with that sort of thing uh yeah so for reference uh i came into law school at 30 years old um so um it wasn't it's not or it it hasn't been like that difficult i guess trying to make friends um i've definitely met like parents also in law school um so there's you know that um i will say one one difference or two things uh that I found challenging is trying not to compare myself um, to the younger students. Um, I feel like they probably had an easier transition in terms of going straight from college to law school because they're still in the, the, the rhythm and mode of like school and college and you know classes. Whereas me coming from the workforce to law school is a little different. Um, and life perspectives <laughs> are very different uh, from me compared to them. A lot of them, you know, didn't, you know, work like prior to law school or didn't really, uh, weren't really a part of the real world uh, before law school. And it, it, if they were, it was for like a very short time period. Uh, whereas for me, uh, being in the real world for, you know, eight years, you know, a house, mortgage, paying bills, you know, there's, there's a slightly different uh, perspective, whereas like, grades are very important. I just want to throw that as a caveat uh, to you as well, because uh, <laughs> you're thinking about law school and to those out there who are thinking about it, uh, grades are very, very, very important your first year. Um and I also had to balance that with, um, you know, like my family comes first too. So trying to balance those at the same time uh, was certainly hard. Yeah. So let's talk about your corporate legal internship at Yulcal. Yul Am I saying that right? <laughs> yeah, it's Yuloco. You look how yes. I feel like it shouldn't be that hard to say. I'm just having a lot of no, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> you you look how Inc. Uh, what what did you do there? How was your experience there? Did you love it? Did you hate it? How was that first legal internship experience? Yeah, so it's actually uh, short for the Union Labor Life Insurance uh, Company. So um, it's basically like a financial services uh, company for union members. So. Uh, in a very simplistic way, they basically uh, take the money that union members put in and they invest that money into all 
types of different things, like pension funds, uh, and real estate um, is a big thing. So, yeah, that was after my 1L year. Um, I was actually placed with them uh, uh, through the uh, Association of Corporate Counsel. Uh, so they did like a, it was like a corporate scholars award program. So if you can see my hat, um, I was a part of the class of 2022. Uh, it was like a whole process. They picked 10 students um, and I was a part of those uh, 10 students to be, to be placed with an in-house council role that summer. Um, yeah, it was fun. Uh, you know, getting the first experience in the legal world um i did like a bunch of contract work uh employee contracts as well like real estate investing um was probably like the main things i was involved on um i did some work with like mergers uh and things of that nature um and pat my my boss uh pat had gone um we're still close now. Uh, he's a mentor of mine. He's a great person. Um, so that was also a big takeaway from that as well, uh, was the ability to network. Um, you know, you, you realize the legal world is very small. Um, fun story, Pat, my, my boss, uh, my legal writing professor, my one out year for both semesters, um, Cynthia Bailey, uh, she was a Fairfax uh, County attorney. She, um, her, sorry, Pat, my boss, was the uh, godfather to Cynthia's daughter, um, which I didn't know that until I got to the job. And she was like, hey, by the way, do you know Pat? I'm like, yeah, that's my boss. And like, yeah. So uh, that was just like a um, you know, thing that uh, showed me the legal world is very small. Uh, but no, it was definitely a, a great experience. I, I got to meet a lot of great people. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like you had a good time. And, and I, what I have to ask is from that experience, did you gain any idea of what, you, you know, down the road, you, you well, not really down the road, but coming soon uh, that, you know, what sort of law that you would want to get into, what sort of area that you have interest in and want to pursue as a you know career? Yeah. So corporate law is like my thing. Um, so, you know, being able to do corporate, you know, work uh was cool that summer and also that was an in in in-house counsel job so uh most of the legal field you can kind of well not sorry not most uh i would say within the corporate side of things can kind of boil down in to three roles so you got your traditional law firms you know you, you might have heard the big law you know term your you know huge huge law firms uh if you think of the tv show suits right that's what that is <laughs> uh so you've got those you know big firms or medium-sized firms and then you got within that you have the transactional work which is the mergers acquisitions all that jazz and then you got the litigation side and then the third piece you have the in-house Council. So those are the lawyers that work within actual corporations, Microsoft's and Google's all stuff. They had their own uh, council team. So being able to work in-house was very unique um, as well, because when you work in-house, your only client is the company. Whereas if you work at a law firm, your you know clients are multiple uh, companies and all that stuff. So uh, Basically, you know, corporate, transactional, in-house counsel work. Those are, that's like the area that I uh, am trying to work in and currently seeking a job. So, <laughs> well, there you yes. go. So, you know, if, if you're hiring, Jeff is looking for a job. Yes. <laughs> don't, don't worry. I don't have that much reach, but 
No, you're fine. <laughs> I, got, I, got a, I got a little bit of an audience, Jeff. Don't worry. People are listening. I'll, I'll start sending your resume everywhere, even though I'm 20 years old and I don't have that kind of power. But you never know. Uh, now, <laughs> now we're you know moving to your senior law clerkship right now at huh? SC Engineering North America in North America. Uh, are you doing similar work as you were in the previous firm or no? Uh, yeah, so uh, ST Engineering, uh, so I'm working at the North American headquarters. Uh, it's basically the subsidiary of the parent companies based in Singapore. Um, yeah, so it's a, cool. a transnational uh, company. So I'm doing, I am still doing like contract uh, work, but I'm doing uh, a little bit more. I have a more diversified palette um currently so uh i do a lot of uh labor and employment stuff um currently so like the last you know big thing uh, i did uh i i wrote our disability accommodations guide so for um current employees or people who are applying uh for jobs that they need accommodations at the workplace you know, there's a whole process with the ADA that you have to go through and companies have to abide by. So um, I wrote that policy uh, for us. Um, that was like the last like, major thing I did. I've done things within like the fair use doctrine uh, with copyright uh, law. Um, we also, I can't talk about it too much. Uh, we had a corporate like name problem um where our parent company essentially the company in north america uh we had some naming issues uh with certain state like jurisdictions and we we are still currently trying to sort that out um so yeah like those are like the main things i'm doing now now, I have to ask, because from personal experience, I've only had one internship. I worked at the Suffolk County District Attorney's Office on Long Island. That's where I'm from. Uh, and I remember being given a giant book. And um, I think it was um, Attor Attorney Joe, Attorney Joe McCarthy, who worked in the office that I did, the Office of uh, Asset and, or yeah, Asset Forfeitures. Um, and finances, I think that's what it's called. I don't know, but shout out to all of them. Uh, I don't know if they're listening, but you know, Joe, Craig, Rob, you all know each other. Uh, and I know them. They took me at the lunch at the end. It was very nice to them. Amazing internship. So anyone who lives on Long Island, I highly recommend it, even though I think they just closed the application. <laughs> Never the, nevertheless, uh, I remember being given a giant book and I had to search up re-argument and I had no idea what it was, but, you know, I researched it for a while. I did it for a mm -hmm. while and I, I gave attorney Joe all the information that he needed. And he actually put what I wrote in the citation of one of his motions. And I felt like oh, six trillion bucks. But did you feel like six trillion bucks when your accommodation policy was put out into the public? I have to ask, did you feel that sort of experience as well? Because I was exhilarated. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, it wasn't a public document. It was an internal uh, thing. I don't know if I've had something put out in the public. They're mainly internal uh, documents. No, uh, yeah, it, it certainly does. Uh, it, it makes you feel good. <laughs> um, to have uh, the work that you've done being accepted by the general counsel and the corporate counsel and things like that. Um, it is it's a confidence boost from the standpoint of um, it is confirmation and validation that you can actually do the work. Um, you know, I think we talked about in the intro thing, uh, both of us have an affinity um, for uh, uh, Alex Hormozy, <laughs> um, and he 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 said something in uh, a video. You don't um, like gain gain confidence by like yelling out uh, affirmations. You gain confidence by building a stack of undeniable proof. Um, so 
uh, doing work that is accepted by the attorneys above you um, is, you know, proof and validation that you're actually capable of doing the work. Uh, Jeff, you've made such a big mistake because you just brought up Alex Formosi. <laughs> so now we have to talk about Alex Formosi. Uh, I love Alex Formosi. I've known about Alex Formosi since I think when I was a freshman in college. My brother sent me one of his videos one time. I just went crazy. I've been watching, you know, listening to his podcast, watching all his videos ever since. And he has been such a big inspiration to me. I'm going to call him out on the podcast right now because he's, he's going to be. He's going to be on the podcast one day. I'm calling it. Hey, yeah, write, the, write this down. No, I'm kidding. But yes. <laughs> he will be here one day. I had to put that out there because I really I really mean that too. But um, he has been an absolute, absolute inspiration to me. One of the biggest things, I don't know why, but this always sticks with me. He said this one time. He's like, he's like simple scales and fancy fails. And I was literally thrown back in my seat. Yeah. That's like four words, but it's got like six million words contained into it. He's been mm-hmm. such a big inspiration to me. And I have to ask from that, we could tie it all together here. Um, we always talked about, you know, I've talked to people on this podcast about starting law firms and how, you know, kind of treacherous it is because, you, you know, you're in the trenches and you, 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 you're fighting for your company's life. But let's talk about starting your own fitness company. Can you mm-hmm. can you tell the can you describe the answer a little bit about that experience and how that was? Yeah. Um, so, I guess a short little background on that uh, experience. So, um, I had been a personal trainer for about three years at that point. So, from like twenty fourteen, this was in. So in 2016, I was working at a fitness company uh, that was contracted out by the government, um, actually, at the the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission in Bethesda, Maryland. So I was working there as a trainer. um, And something that bothered me uh, was that we like weren't allowed to make money on like individual personal training sessions. We were on a salary to teach like the group classes and all that stuff. Um, And I just thought it was like disheartening that I couldn't like make additional money by training people, uh, which I was doing Mm -hmm. as well, but that was just a part of the role that came, you know, at the job and at the same time i was still working part-time at a different gym as well and uh was only getting paid like 20 dollars per session and i started thinking the profit margin here if i'm making 20 then the owner of the gym um is making more than that because they have to pay uh bills and salaries and make payroll and pay the utilities in the building. Um, so I'm like, the profit margin here doesn't make sense. If I, you know, if I found my own clients and train my own clients, I can get, I can get and keep 100% of the revenue. Like, yeah, that, that makes a lot more sense. And at the same time, I had just gotten into uh, Gary V. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Oh, I love Gary Bay. Okay. So, well, he's from Long Island, so I have to. Ah, yes. So I had just gotten into him. I was like a fanatic. Um, <laughs> and mind you, this was in 2016. Yeah. And Gary V had like, like really just started to take off. Um, and I was really caught by the entrepreneur bug and like as as am i don't worry and like (laughs) you should be your own boss like you can like do this yourself like i was completely caught by it and uh in june of that year my grandfather passed away um and he owned his own barbershop for like 50 years so i had like entrepreneur uh it was coursing through your blood yeah it was coursing through So all of that uh, 
kind of came together and at the same time. And at the end of 2016, I decided to leave all three jobs I had <laughs> and go out for business on my own. Um, and uh, I made $19,000 my first two months, like combined. I had never seen that much money before in my life at one time in my bank account. <laughs> and I thought, so this was in January and February of 2017. So I thought I had figured out business. Like I just, I thought, okay, this is it. I can make seven, eight, nine thousand dollars a month. This is, you know, easy. Um, basically my business model, I didn't have one. Uh, I didn't have a business plan. I just was, I was, I had like the Gary V entrepreneur like i'm f like f you know fired up to do this and I, I just quit uh and you know what i'm just gonna find my own clients i had no background in like sales marketing all that uh and my business model was i was an in-home trainer so i would travel to people's homes um and train them i i knew how well i, I didn't know how to network I just figured out that if you know people, you can, you know, try to ask them for like clients. Like that was basically it. So uh, clients that I did have at my previous gyms, uh, a gym that I had worked at, they actually shut down earlier in 2016. So some of those clients um, I reached out to and I was like, Hey, uh, I'm, starting my own thing. I'm training people. Um, you know, if you know people, you know, like send them my way. Um, so that was basically how I got started. Um, no business plan. I had like 5,000 saved up, uh, and I was just trying to figure it out. Um, yeah, I got a crash course in business. Um, very quickly I found out that it's not that easy. <laughs> um, you learn, I realize I think you learn faster by just throwing yourself to the wolves um, because it's a sink or swim, um, you know, scenario. I, I have my own thoughts on whether it's good for your mental health or not um, in terms of uh, you, you have to figure out how you're, going to pay bills and eat um that can take a toll on you if you're not used to that um so i tell people out there you know you or <laughs> the listeners uh if you are going out into business on your own i wouldn't just abruptly quit your job <laughs> uh it's probably best to continue to work and you know have your own business and then once you start to make enough money in that business uh, to where you feel comfortable enough financially to leave a job. That's probably uh, the most logical way of doing it, but I didn't do it that way. I just, I went into business. Um, so yeah, that was how that started. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's an amazing story. I, I love it very much. I'm inspired by it. Maybe not in the game. Not in the Gary V way. I'm inspired. <laughs> I, I, I don't have, well, I only have one job. I work for my dad, so I can't okay. quit that, unfortunately. I can't quit that. But I think what's important, you know, what I have to ask is, you know, how, how important and how did it sort of shape you taking that risk, you know, just abruptly quitting that job, you know, you know, how did it shape you as a person going forward, even in law school nowadays, you know, how did, how did, how does it shape you? How does it change your perspective on life? Uh, so in the, so first, uh, it gave me a taste of freedom from the corporate, you know, world or from, you know, job in general. Um, it's something that you don't know what it tastes like until you experience it yourself. Most people don't know what that feels like the feeling of you wake up in the morning and you have no boss, uh, which, which 
is freeing at the same time um it forces you to discipline yourself which is a very difficult thing it was certainly difficult for me because you're used to having a boss you're used to having a schedule a structure people telling you what to do now you have to do it yourself um but i think it's a valuable skill that carried over in to law school as well uh because in law school yes you do have class but outside of class the real work is actually is the actual the reading cases and the writing assignments that's the actual work with law school um and with that you have to create your own schedule and discipline yourself um into how to divvy up time um you know between the readings and the writing assignments and you know how much should i read for this class for this class is the material more dense in this class in this class is the professor expected uh does the professor expect you to know the details of the cases a little bit more than this one does you know or do they just want the general facts like uh that experience having my own business kind of that that skill of uh having to discipline yourself that carried over into law school um i'll say the biggest the biggest thing that law school has taught me this doesn't really have to do with the business uh so much but to go a little bit deeper into your question um time management time management is is probably the most important skill that will serve you well uh, in law school, particularly for me being a parent. Um, so I'll deviate a little bit. Uh, so Claudia, my wife, she got pregnant. Uh, so we found out that she was uh pregnant right right during finals of my 1L fall year um so and then Sophia was born uh, August 12th 2022 so she was born about two weeks before uh the fall semester of my 2L year so the adjustment uh, period of being a first-time parent of a newborn um, during my 2004 year, uh, time management was even more of a component of that because quite simply, your time is just cut short. Um, you have to figure out how to do all the work, and it's even more work now in 2004 year, by the way, um, with the legal writing is even more uh, dense and like journal and all that stuff, which I'm on. Um, so you have to figure out how to do more work in less time <laughs> or how to divvy up uh, time and use all the free time that you have available, um, which unfortunately means <laughs> sometimes having to work, uh, you know, at midnight or 2 a.m. or 5 a.m., um and then also having enough enough of you left over to keep up with your fitness or health and your mental health and your wife and being a parent um so time management is probably the most important skill yeah i i'd have to agree with that even though i i don't have a wife and kid <laughs> But, uh, you know, in doing this podcast and starting it, you know, early last semester, it, it really starting to pick up right now because I'm, I'm putting a lot more work into it, putting a lot more time into it. But I still have to go to class every week, which honestly just sucks. But, you know, I, I, I do it. Um, You know, I'm a philosophy major, so I enjoy the class. Oh, right, 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 it's not yes. it's not the worst thing in the world. You, did, I haven't talked about philosophy yet this episode. You're doing well, Jeff. You're keeping it with hey, them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but you know, just just the other, I think I said this on the last episode I just recorded. But 
you know, with all this stuff going on and having a lot of podcasts to record and, and you know, I started using a reminder app. I've never used the reminder app in my mm -hmm. life. Uh, I started using Google Calendar. I've never used the calendar, I don't think, in the 20 years I've been alive on this earth. So yeah. <laughs> there's many things that I've had to start doing because, you know, I just don't have that much time in the day. You know, I go to class in the morning. I'm at class till 5, you know, 5 p.m. And then I have all that time, but I still have homework. I still have tests to study for. <laughs> I still got to get good grades so my mother doesn't kill me. Um <laughs> And uh, I'm in I'm in uh, Phi Alpha Delta, the pre-law fraternity. I'm their secretary. Oh, cool. I got I got to do work for that. So I got a lot going on, which is good. I love being busy. I hate free time, really. Not mm -hmm. like like you know, if I have any free time, I try to read or something, do something of of productivity. But you know, sometimes I I like watching wrestling. I always watch wrestling. Okay. Like I keep my hobbies in check. I, I take my hobbies very seriously. I watch soccer all the time too. And now I gotta ask, what kind of, do you watch soccer? Do you have any favorite sports? Yeah. Uh so yeah. Now before I get to that, if you have a section of your podcast that is about a philosophy, if you still have like that section available, we can definitely dive into that. Um, it's you yeah, know yeah. honestly, it's usually off a whim. Like someone says something, and I'm like, oh well, Aristotle said that actually. So I, we, if it doesn't make it, it doesn't make it. Don't worry. Um, yeah. So in terms of sports, so my background, which you know, I guess uh, you know, certainly ties into like my own uh, like professional fitness background. So football, I played football uh, from age six through my sophomore year of college. I went to Bowling Green uh, State oh, wow. for my freshman year. Um, I was a preferred walk-on. Uh, I was a red shirt. Um, so I didn't play. I just had to train a lot. <laughs> um, and then that was when I transferred to Old Dominion um, for my sophomore year. So football was a part of my life for 14 years. Um, and with that came uh resistance training and strength training so strength and conditioning was like my my first i guess like professional uh passion which you know came from sports um so like powerlifting um i was actually a competitive powerlifter for wow. for several years um actually still uh hold the maryland's day record for for deadlifting and the raw 100 uh federation uh for the junior weight class i deadlifted uh 573 oh, um, yeah um so powerlifting um like once i was done playing football my powerlifting and strongman uh were like my uh my next you know like passions in terms of uh sports um so i've competed in that i've competed in uh like men's uh, physique mm -hmm. um show so i've done that so basically like strength sports is, uh are things that that i've actually competed in it's a passion of mine still um i i still don't write programs for people i do it for like myself like i'm so into the literature with like uh with like the west side barbell like programming <laughs> and periodization and all that stuff um and soccer it's funny i i started watching soccer intensely like two years ago um <laughs> so at the world cup you know it's a big deal but i started watching the premier league um a lot like last year um wait you know, who, really who do you into support it. Yeah. Who do you support? Uh, I really don't have a favorite team. I just watch a lot of – so all the games just come on the USA Network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On Saturdays and Sundays, so I just, like, tune in. Um, I do have ESPN Plus, so I catch the La Liga uh, games. I really don't care who's playing. I just watch them. I probably – if I had to, like, choose a team, I'd like Tottenham. Um I don't like them as much now because uh, Kane left. He went to Bayern uh, Munich. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was 
you know, a big deal. Um, but the the South Korean uh Hoyman's son. Yeah. Uh I'm definitely a fan of his. So Tottenham, I watched a lot last year, but I, I really don't have a favorite team. I just catch the games that come on. <laughs> no, that that's great. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm I'm a very big Chelsea fan. So oh, all right. It's a it's a very big rivalry, Tottenham and Chelsea, but it's it's okay. Uh, I love the game of soccer as well. I'm always tuning into the weekend games. My favorite part about soccer is that it's always on. Uh, like you know, NFL football, yeah. it ends in February, and you don't get it back till you know September. But you know, the the season ends in May, and then by June the Euros start. Yeah. And then by the time you're done with the Euros, preseason is already already beginning for all the club teams. So that's yeah. why I love soccer. And just like yourself, I only got into it, I think, five, uh, four years ago, four, huh? four years ago. So it hasn't been that long. Um, my brother's roommate was really into it and he started getting oh, right. into it. And then he came home and he started and we started watching it and then I started watching it. And one of my friends, uh, he plays collegiate soccer at Binghamton. And he's oh, very, cool. one of my best friends, and and he's a big Liverpool fan. So we started watching yeah. together. So it, it all kind of came. They're very good this year. So oh, they are, they are very good. And I I don't I don't hate them. I don't love them either. But you know, it's I I I, enjoy, I love watching the sport. I think it's one of the most entertaining sports as well. I've been playing a lot of soccer too. Because oh, cool. Just like yourself, I played football my whole life. My father played college football at East Strasburg University. Nice. Uh, so you know it, it's in it's in my blood. But my dad didn't let us play soccer. He didn't like it. Uh, but you know, senior year of high school, I finally got to play. I think I played seven minutes in a game. It was okay. the best <laughs> seven minutes of my life. Uh, but after that, I you know we play in indoor. I play in indoor leagues. I play intramural here at Albany. So I always oh I, cool. I love it. It's honestly my favorite sport, and I played basketball my whole life. So awesome! It, it totally, totally just flipped everything. I wish I played soccer my whole life, but I just had to. Did you have a favorite football team? I have to ask. Yeah, so I'm a Packers fan. Oh, um, yeah, I'm a diehard Packers fan since <laughs> uh, 19, 1997. Uh, wow. Yeah, uh, and then for football, I'm a Michigan fan. Uh, so. I know that seems like completely random. Uh, I have no personal ties to Wisconsin <laughs> or Michigan, um, but Charles Woodson uh, was my favorite player. Um, and uh, yeah, like he's my favorite all time player. Uh, he played at Michigan and then obviously he played for the Packers um, and he helped them win the Super Bowl. So, so that's a plus. Uh, yeah, what uh position did you play in football? So, in, admittedly, I stopped playing in like I think it was, when I when I saw I think it was ninth grade of high school because mm-hmm. I I don't know not that I don't hate football but like I, I don't know it just it wasn't really my thing. Looking back, I probably should have played, but I don't know it was just me. But when I I played from like when I was like literally like four years old because they got oh, me wow. really secretly. Don't you know? Don't tell anyone. <laughs> Um, I was in like preschool and I was getting tackled. Um, but you know, I wanted to play really badly. But I played quarterback for like ten years of my life. Nice. From and then when I got to middle school, I eventually switched to wide receiver. I love that. Same. Yeah, I, that's what I played. So. so so I you know I love wide receiver. My brother was a, an exceptional football player, much better than me. Um, you know, all county wide receiver. He was, oh, cool. amazing. but he played college basketball. He's just a very good athlete, much better athlete than, than I could ever be. Um, that's why I stick to soccer nowadays, even though he's probably better at soccer than me now. But it's you know, I I I I I eat my ego when it when it comes yeah. to that stuff. I'm just like, let's just give him the ball because I want to win the game. Yeah. Um, but we're coming down. Last three questions here. My first yeah. question. Um. It's a mainstay on the podcast now. I used to say, oh, it's so weird, whatever, because people convince me of that. But um, what are the sorts of things that you consume, not food, uh, consume on a daily basis? You know, either that be social media, um, you know, Instagram, Twitter, um, 
I'm trying to think of other stuff. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, uh, not Snapchat, but I know you talked about you talked about Gary Vee before, you know, Alex Hormozzi. So like, you know, do you have any favorite content creators, that sort of stuff? Uh, you know, what's crossing the transom of Jeff's mind on a daily basis? Well, first of all, I'm going to start listening to your podcast. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate put that. All, uh, yeah. So I'm going to put that on the list of things. Um, I took, I basically took all of social media uh, off my phone, uh, like last year. Uh, so <laughs> YouTube, which I guess is a form of- Oh, I forgot media. about YouTube. I always forget yeah. about YouTube. <laughs> so yeah, that's like my main, uh, like content form. Yeah. Um, Alex Formosi is probably the content creator I watch the most. Um, yeah, him, uh, I, I do watch some high bodybuilding uh, content. So like Kai Green um, mm-hmm. is a very famous uh, bodybuilder. Um, so yeah, most of the content I consume is based around like bodybuilding, powerlifting. Uh, I just, I'm going to start to run um, like 5Ks. Um, soon because I, I don't like the feeling of not being in shape, like (laughs) cardiovascular, uh, speaking. Um, I wanted to keep that like fitness modality. Um, so I just started watching a bit more of like hybrid training stuff. Uh, so like guys who, um, high bodybuild or powerlift, but also run, uh, because they're, because trying to train them concurrently uh, is very difficult. Um, and most people believe that, you know, like if you're a bodybuilder or a powerlifter, like cardio kills gains and like I <laughs> can't do that. And that's not true. And conversely, people who run a lot, particularly long distance runners, they don't tend to carry a lot of lean mass. Um, but lifting weights would serve those people very well um so yeah so i just started to get into like that type of content trying to train those two things concurrently but yeah uh lifting lifting running and uh, house hormozy stuff (laughs) which i'm into more of and i know i said that we may or may not talk about it but more of a philosophical like mindset stuff so yeah those are like the main things yeah i i at first i forgot to say that the gym i go to here in albany uh, abc fitness it is has a enormous powerlifting community they oh, really? actually, and strongman community uh they actually have like you know the giant board up on the gym it's, okay. a, yeah, it's yeah. a humongous it's the best gym i've ever gone to in my life okay. <laughs> quite honestly um, but they have a giant board of like all the people, all the weight classes, you know, the biggest, but there's some people in there who are like, it's, it's crazy. I, I seen this one guy, he was deadlifting nine plates and I was like, this is insane. And oh, wow. he, he was, he was like six, five legit, like, you know, at least 300 pounds, just you know ripping it and i'm like oh my goodness um <laughs> so there's a ton of those people in there so you know they got atlas stones in there as well they're actually, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. They're actually opening another gym in the same lot and it's just for powerlifting it's a powerlifting oh, nice. dedicated gym so i always think that's wow. amazing. <laughs> and one day they'll sponsor my podcast if i say their name and <laughs> this is like the third this is about this has got to be like the 20th time i ever you yeah. know in them. but i'm i'm more than happy to give the free promo um because it is su- it is the best gym. i'm i'm going there after this but um i'm what was i gonna say uh the the body i i do get a lot of bodybuilding content on mm-hmm. my youtube and like the uh, instagram sometimes i always see you know obviously arnold is you know the the man when it comes to bodybuilding <laughs> i think um what's and and ronnie coleman as well yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh what's a jay what's that guy's name jay cutler 
Yeah, Jay Cutler as well. He's always on there. So I always I always see those guys like they talk about like their crazy eating routines. And you're yeah. like like Jay Cutler was eating like a hundred egg whites a day or something. And he like That's always had the rice cooker going. <laughs> I'm like, That's crazy. And you have like the the whole cows in, in his uh garage. He had two full freezers of meat. Um, yeah, like, man. No, actually I'm thinking about that too. Uh, there's um <laughs> Actually, on Reddit, which is that's the other social media platform I do on on Reddit, uh, the Reddit for steak. Um, there's like a whole subreddit for like just steak, and there are some people on there who actually purchase cows and they get them. I butcher and they freeze the parts. I think it's like I think it's like twenty four hundred like for <laughs> like. A, a, a cow like which i forgot how many pounds of like different cuts of meat but like i think it's, it's actually a decent investment um if you got the money for it i mean you know <laughs> yeah my my bro so me and my brothers are actually thinking about that we were actually gonna get uh, yeah, a cow. <laughs> we were seriously considering it and my 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 oldest brother nick was actually very much considering it like he almost made the purchase i don't oh, know awesome. if that, but you know i I'd buy a cow if you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but second to last question here, Jeff. You're always you're at law school. You're always working. But what does an ideal Friday night or Sunday morning look for Jeff? A Friday night and Sunday morning. So Friday night that is usually you talked about your calendar earlier. So on my calendar that is uh, blocked off for me and my wife. Uh, so after we put it's Sophia down for bed uh my friday night so we we typically have like a um it's like a marriage like check-in so we uh check in with each other and then you know like usually movie and wine um and food like this <laughs> uh a typical night a lot different uh from the time uh where we were not parents um those were different times sunday morning you said yes uh sunday morning usually like playing with sophia my daughter that's like basically it <laughs> hey listen like how was he said simple tales fancy fails you know, it, it, there's nothing wrong with simplicity. I love it very much. I keep it in my life. As I said, I take my hobbies very seriously. So, you know, I, I'm, I, I keep it simple. Just I get I get what I need and I get out of there. That's what it's all about. But the final question here, Jeff, I do this at the end of every episode. What are your words of wisdom to the aspiring law students, the current law students, and even the legal professionals can get some words of wisdom from Jeff? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I'm usually I'm I'm usually the one trying to seek the words of wisdom. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say for law students, uh, you know, going back to time management, um, you know, learn how to properly manage your time. Um, keep perspective, um, because it's something that I've certainly had. To do as well uh you know if you don't get the job that you want um or if your grades are not where you want them to be um at the end of the day you're going to be a lawyer um no matter what your grades are yes you need to graduate obviously and, and pass the bar exam but um all of that aside you're you're going to be a lawyer, um, and yeah, like just keep proper perspective. Um, yeah, that's really all I got. <laughs> no, it's, it's no. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's it's no worry, Jeff. It's no worry. I thought it was perfect. I thought it was just fine. Any sort of words of wisdom always work on this podcast. Oh, oh yeah. God. I will add, uh, try your best to take care of your health. Uh, you know, with my background, um, I 
have to keep in mind that uh, your body is your game piece um, and you carry it with you in life. So in order for you to do your best, you know, in law school or at your job at being an actual lawyer. So this goes out to the lawyers as well. Uh, you ha have to take care of yourself first. You can't be the best lawyer, the best parent, or the best partner if you're not the best version of yourself. So. Well, Jeff, wonderfully said. I will take that. I'm going to take that advice to myself as well and keep going to the gym, obviously. But Jeff, that's sure. it. So <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And for everyone out there listening, thank you for tuning in. And I will see you in the next one.